how does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does it align with their values? What problems of theirs am I helping them to solve? How am I helping them to further their career or further their whatever it is they want? And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, uh, back with, to what you were saying earlier, authentically, right? Not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but sure. as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment rather than compliance. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we introduce to all of you Mr. Bob Berg, who co-authored the international bestseller. I'm sure many of you have read The Go-Giver. He is a much sought after speaker at sales and leadership conferences, and he's really committed to inspiring the entrepreneurial spirit in all of us. And he really shows that companies, both large and small, if they conduct their business the go-giver way, they're really not only much of a better, greater value to their customers, but they're also more significantly more functional and profitable as well. And so without further ado, let's get into my interview with Mr. Bob. Berg. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating, A-B split testing, and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the DirectClicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. 
Bob, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Uh, it's an honor to have you come on. So your book, The Go-Giver, and many of your other books, but The Go-Giver in particular was recommended to me several years ago by a really good friend of mine, Zach. And it has been the cornerstone of one of my core values, which is to always provide value first. And it was from that book. And so can you just give the backstory about where the book came from? And then in particular, why you chose to use a fable to illustrate the points in the book, which I think resonates so much with everybody. Well, years ago, many years ago, I had a book out. It was kind of my first big book. It was called Endless Referrals. And the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. I first came out in the mid-90s, and it's been revised a few times, last time 2005. So before online became a thing. But, <laughs> but basically, <laughs> it was written for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service. They knew it brought immense value to others, but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable going out into the marketplace, you know, going out into their local communities and building the kinds of relationships that would cause people to want to do business with them directly and refer them to others. So it was really a system and I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, the key being predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know all you need to do is A and continue to do A and continue to do A, and you'll eventually get the desired results of B. So B. So it was really, it was a system for creating relationships within your community where people would feel so good about you, they would know you, they would like you, they would trust you, they would want to do business with you directly, they would want to refer you to others. So, but it was a how-to book and I'd always enjoyed reading parables. Parables are stories and I think we all know that stories connect with people on a deeper mm -hmm. level than a how-to. Don't get me wrong, I believe in how-to books. Not only do I write them, but I read a lot of them. But there's no question that parables do really connect with people on more of a heart level. And I thought, what if we could take that, the basic premise of endless referrals? And that was, and this is something I coined years ago, and it's sort of been a mainstay in every book. And that is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And take that premise and put it into a parable. So I really, in titling it, I just asked myself the question, so what is the essence then of those mm -hmm. salespeople who are able to both quickly and sustainably create those know, like, and trust relationships? And it's that they're givers. They're always looking to give value to others. They're always looking out for the other person's interest. And so coming up with the title, The Go-Giver, was easy and basic thoughts on where the book would go. But it was really asking John David Mann, who was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write for at the time and who already had a great reputation as a brilliant writer and storyteller. It was asking him to be the co-author and really the lead writer and storyteller. I'm a how-to guy. He's a brilliant storyteller. And fortunately, mm -hmm. he said yes to doing that. So we carved it out, shaped it, and it only took a few months to write it. But it was going through, I think, over the course of a year, 25 rejections from New York publishing houses. Wow. We finally found a portfolio or an imprint of Penguin Random House that turned yeah. out to be a great publishing partner for us. So I want to talk to you about value. And I want you to, to define value because 
when you talk about them in positioning yourself as a resource, every single person, because I shared with you before we got started about our audience and everybody that's listening to this wants to be positioned in their communities as someone that is a resource because then they're able to get endless referrals. I mean, nobody in any business, but in particular insurance agency owners, they want endless referrals. You hear that and they say, well, that's aspirational. I want to be. That's always been a big market for me for that reason. I mean, that is a market where that is their lifeblood. That's the lifeblood of a successful agent and financial services provider. Uh, 100%. So when we say value, and let's put this in the context of law number one from the book, the law Mm -hmm. of value, which says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear this, it's rather counterintuitive sounding. I mean, give more in value than I take in payment. I mean, that sounds all nicey nice and everything, but also kind of sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. Give more in value than I take in payment. So we simply have to understand the difference between price and value, okay? Mm. Uh, Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. is what it is, right? Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, this concept, this idea, this policy, this financial plan, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another person that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be Mm -hmm. glad they did while you make a very healthy profit, okay? So someone who is obviously an insurance professional and regardless of what they're selling, what they are giving in terms of whether it's a home or car policy, whether it's a long-term financial plan, whether they're helping people create and manage well, what you're giving, just intrinsically what you're giving is of so much value to that person that they will exchange their money for it and they're gonna get, more in value than what they paid for. When you think about the peace of mind, the security, the feeling of confidence, or if it's a financial plan, it's knowing that they're going to have something, a legacy, and that they're going to be at, you know, I mean, all the things that we all know that that you're providing, but you're also receiving a profit for this and you're making a good profit. That's just very basically the law of value. But here's the thing, the intrinsic value you provide giving more in value than you take in payment, that's fine. It's great. It's terrific, but it's certainly not enough because every one of your competitors can either basically do the same thing or they can say that they can do the same thing, even if you do it better. Okay. Sure. And unless a prospective customer understands that you provide better value service experience than your competitor, Until they know, they just don't know. And as we all know, if they can't distinguish between any two or more agents or planners or what have you, it's always going to come down to who has the lowest price. And unless your last name is Walmart or Amazon.com or some of the real low price, low value competitors, trying to make low price your unique selling proposition is not a good way for you to do business. It's not productive, it's not profitable, and it's not sustainable. So you've got to be able to communicate not only the intrinsic value of what you do, that just gets you into the game. You've got to be able to communicate that extrinsic value the entire experience, what it is about you that distinguishes you 
from your competitors. And really, when you think about it, because the natural question is, well, what is that additional value? And it's you. Mm -hmm. It's you. And so how do you communicate it? Well, there are dozens, if not hundreds of ways to communicate that additional value, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value. And these are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you, and when I say you, I mean you and your entire team, your staff, are able to communicate one or more of these, hopefully all five, at every single touch point from when you first meet that person, whether it's an internet inquiry, an incoming phone call, an outbound touch, or meeting someone at a local charity event or your kid's ball game or wherever it happens, or from that initial first meeting introduction, rather, when you first meet someone, through the relationship building process, through the follow-up and the follow-through to the sales process, through the referral process, to the degree that you can communicate those five elements of value, that's the degree that you take your competition and price out of the picture. Oh, I love that. All right, so say those elements one more time yeah. for us so we can make sure we capture that. And I wanna come back and I wanna point out something about the commoditization that's happening and has been happening in insurance. Sure, so the five elements of value. Now, these are not to be confused with the five laws of stratospheric success from the book, right? Which are right. value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Even within the law of value, there are actually five elements of value. Mm -hmm. And those elements of value are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. Yeah. Well, of course, that. we can go very deep into each of those because each yeah, of those is a, right. Yeah, we'd end up having a five-hour podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. So on that, it doesn't matter if you represent one of the big national brands or if you are a smaller independent agent listening to this podcast. At any one time, you may be very competitive with your pricing rate structure, and then you may be very uncompetitive, and that may go up and down throughout the time. I mean, you're never going to be the lowest price or the highest price all the time. And so I think it is so important that you can't control whatever the national company messaging is. And the prevailing message that's out there is price-based. And so there is a pushing against that that the individual insurance agency owner has to do to make sure that they are actually communicating, like you said, the differentiating factor in their community that they mm -hmm. actually bring. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about just friends of mine at different parts of the country, large metropolitan cities like Seattle and the demographics of that area, but also the personality of the insurance agency owner and the culture that they have inside their office and how it's so important for them to be authentic, okay, mm -hmm. to speak to a point in the book about who they are and exactly what the experience is that they give to their customers compared to someone else. Oh, that's everything. And my suggestion is always, even if for whatever reason you do happen to be the low price, don't make that the reason for their buying. Yeah. Because as you know, when you sell on low price, you're a commodity. Sure. When you sell on high value, you're a resource, a mm. trusted resource. Now, if you happen to be the low price for something, that's fine. But don't make that the reason for their doing business with you. Because if that is, then they're going to leave you as soon as someone else comes along with a lower price, which will happen eventually. Sure. So I'm from the South, North Alabama. When I was growing up, my dad, honest to goodness, used to say he would be referring to someone else. And he'd say, yeah, that boy's a go-getter. Mm -hmm. And I just had to ask you to compare and contrast this thought of being a go-getter and being a go-giver, because then mm -hmm. it can almost be 
some people make misconstrue this go-giving thing to say, well, what I do, just go and give and help somebody across the road, right, right. et cetera. And they misinterpret the message of actually giving values. Can you just speak to that? Yeah. So let's look at two things there. One is go-getter, go-giver, and the other is misconceptions about what a go-giver really is. So first, when we say go-giver, okay, we're simply talking about that person who understands that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. And not for some magical, mystical reasons, not for some woo-woo thing, not for karma because you walk someone across the street. No, it makes logical, rational sense when you consider human nature. When you're that person who can move your focus off of yourself and place it onto others, looking for ways to make their lives better, discovering what they want, what they need, what they desire. When you can move your focus off yourself to focusing on solving their challenges and problems, when you can move your focus off yourself and onto helping bring them closer to happiness, people feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like sure. you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They're much more likely to want to do business with you and refer you to others. So that's really what being a go-giver is all about. Now, let's go to go-getter, go-giver. What your dad said is correct. We love go-getters because go-getters take action. They get things done. And everyone listening to this, we're all business people. We know you can have the nicest thoughts the greatest ideas, the best of intent, but unless action is put into the yeah. mix, nothing's going to happen. It so simply true. cannot happen. So we want people to be go-getters, people of action, and go-givers, people who are focused on bringing immense value to everyone whose lives they touch. So be a go-getter and a go-giver, just don't be a go-taker, <laughs> right? Sure. That's the person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without having added value to the person, the process, the situation. And they tend to be frustrated because they rarely attain the kind of results and success they think they deserve. And even those times they do, because sometimes they do, it's very difficult to sustain because you're in it really for and by yourself. You don't have people on your side. It's a lot harder work to be successful yeah. as a go-taker than it is as both a go-getter and a go-giver. Two points. It just can't help but not think that it really goes along with one of your books. It's not about you. It's just <laughs> not about you, right? I mean, and I didn't mean that to just to talk about that book, but yeah, I mean, we, really, we actually, what, what you were by saying, the way, changed the title of that book later. We changed it to The Go-Giver Leader, the second book in the series, yes. because yes. unfortunately, it's not about you, didn't sell very well. And <laughs> the reason why is because if it's not about me, well, why do I want to buy it, right? So, yeah, sure, that's true, that's true. <laughs> but, well, uh, yeah, uh, so actually, that became, that actually became the go-giver leader. But yeah, the main point in that was, it's not about you, it's about those people whose lives you're touching. Which is actually the point I wanted to go to next, which <laughs> is because our conversation up to this point has been a lot about the business, maybe your agency to the customers. And I really want to shift the conversation to that point about everybody that's listening to this that owns their agency has from two to 20 people under 
their helm. They are leading these people. And so what does it really mean to be a go-giver leader? Well, in a sense, it's really, when you think about it, the same as being a go-giver in terms of how you look to and relate to or with your clients. I mean, you make it all about those people you're serving, all about those people you're leading. I mean, sure, you're the one that has to set the vision and hold the vision. And I think mm-hmm. well, there's no question about that. That's part of leadership. But really, sure. when you think about it, leadership and influence is, I mean, we've all heard John Maxwell, the great leadership speaker, who says leadership is influence, right? Nothing mm-hmm. more, nothing less. I mean, I agree. I think that's a great definition of leadership. But think about what is influence, right? Influence on a very basic level can be defined as the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within Mm -hmm. the context of a specific goal. That's the definition of influence, but it's not its essence. The Mm -hmm. essence of influence, the essence of leadership is pull, pull as opposed to push. We've heard the saying, how far can you push a rope? Right. And we know the answer is not very, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers, great leaders don't push. You never hear people say, wow, that Tom or that Andrea, she is just so influential. She has a lot of push with people. No, they'd say she's influential. She has a lot of pull with people. So great influencers, great leaders don't push their ideas. They don't push themselves. They don't push their will on others. They're not push. Right now, this pull is an attraction, right? Mm. Great Mm. influencers, great leaders attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. So now the question is, how? How does this pull manifest itself? And I would say that the great leader, what we call a genuine influencer, right? Or the go-giver leader, they understand on a heart level, not just a head level, but a heart level. They understand what I believe was Dale Carnegie's underlying premise in his classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And this is where Mr. Carnegie wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So you want to lead a team and you want to move them to a specific action. The genuine influencer, the great leader must first ask themselves questions to make sure that they're focused in the right direction. See, I believe we need to be internally motivated, but outwardly focused Mm. because it is all about them, at least as far as they are concerned. So the genuine influencer, the great leader asks themselves questions like, how does what I'm asking this person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their wants, with their needs, with their desires? How does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does it align with their values? What problems of theirs am I helping them to solve? How am I helping them to further their career or further their whatever it is they want? And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, uh, back to what you were saying earlier, authentically, right? Not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment Mm. rather than compliance. One of my great friends, wonderful leadership speaker, her name is Dondi Scumachi. I love what she says when it comes to leadership and influence. She says, compliance will never take you 
where commitment can go. Oh man, that's good. Well, I tell you what, in the last five minutes, I was writing down as many notes as I could to capture those one-liners. I think it was just how powerful a mental model is when you said, yeah, that's the definition of influence, but the essence of Mm. influence Mm. is a pull and you can't push a rope. I mean, we can all just mentally have that (laughs) image in our head of what that means, right? And I think I've read, fortunately, so many leadership books. And so I think you've just encapsulated leadership and influence so brilliantly. And I (laughs) love uh, commitment versus compliance. I have to ask something that's really about the leader, him or herself. We're talking about sometimes the mental roadblocks that we have to get past in ourselves to be able to be the kind of go-giver leader that we need to be. So can you just talk about those mental roadblocks and how we can overcome the thoughts and maybe even shifting the thinking in our head that we need to actually then be the type of influencer leader for our teams or the leader, the resource in our community? Yeah, I think it really falls under the heading of law number five, the law of receptivity. Mm-hmm. And the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And this really means nothing more than you breathe out and you also breathe in. It's not one or the other. It's both. You breathe out carbon dioxide. You breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving. You breathe in, which is receiving. Mm-hmm. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. Now, the world around us doesn't tell us that. The world around us, often it's from upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, everywhere, the internet, everywhere we hear all these horrible messages about prosperity and about money and about business. And it can be very easy to get into your head and get into the unconscious and keep you from being in a receptive state so that you're able to embrace and accept all these great things that are coming to you because of the value you've provided others. Well, it's not just in terms of not being able to receive money. It's being able to accept and receive compliments, being able to receive respect from others, being able to just receive a feeling within yourself that you did a great job and that you're worthy and so forth. In other words, there's so much in the world out there that gives us these horrible ideas about ourselves that, yeah, it can really get into our heads. And again, it's on an unconscious level. That's the most insidious part of all. It's not something that we're aware of. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly fighting this internal battle with our unconscious mind that we don't even know we're fighting. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm a big believer that we need to really make a proactive study of prosperity because the garbage we get from the world around us just comes to at us from everywhere. Okay. And so making a study of prosperity, and there are some great teachers in today's world about this. There's people from Randy Gage to Bob Proctor, to David Nagel, to Ellen Rogan of Chicago, to Sharon Lecter, to Ken Honda of Japan. And there's just some some great speakers and teachers and bloggers and podcasters. And so I tune into those because I just believe we need to keep that positive, good energy going. And so I really think that's what it's about. And if a person is someone who finds themselves sabotaging their success and they really don't know why they do that, first, congratulations to them for even being aware that that's Mm. what they're doing. Because many people go through an entire lifetime not being aware of it. 
Okay. Mm. So when you're aware of it, now you're in a place where you can actually take the steps to do something about it. That's so, so true. I don't know if you're familiar with Weldon Long and his book, The Power of Consistency, but he talks about that where he says, basically auditing your box and who hell has put things inside of your box, mm. which mm. is in your brain. And are you intentionally doing it? Or is it just happened by default? And sometimes that's happened by their, our family, our upbringing, our parents in particular, that they put things inside of our box. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it actually needs to be taken out. Right, exactly. And what happens is the information we took in before we were old enough to critically think and check our premises. And so it was put in with good intent. Sure. But our parents and the world around us and whomever else, they were obviously providing information based on their set of beliefs that they had learned and so forth. And so, yeah, we've got to, as we get older, when we can question premises and start asking ourselves, well, why is this happening? Why do I believe that? How did the person who taught me this, how did they learn that? Who did they learn it from based on what principles are these, you know, when we can do that, now we're in a position where we're thinking consciously. And we're in a position to be able to now help ourselves and to take a step in the right direction. Bob, this may be great. I mean, I've taken three pages of notes. I know many people listening to this podcast will as well. It's full of so many one-liners and nuggets and things that I'll continue on. So thank you for your time. People want to find out more about you. Where can they pick up some of your books? And and also you have a podcast. Where's the best place to point them to? Yeah, best place is Berg, B-U-R-G.com. They can get a free chapter of any of the books to see if they like them first. We also have the Go-Giver Success Alliance online membership community. So there's a place there. If they scroll down a little bit, they'll see what looks like a few people at a coffee shop, which you know from the book is Rachel's famous. And uh, (laughs) so they're welcome to look at joining that as well. All right, Bob, it's been a pleasure having you come on. Just thank you so much for everything that you do for being the epitome of a go-giver. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, Thank you. Likewise. Well, it was great having Bob come on. Obviously, the five elements of value were really profound for me, but also really just a part where he did talk about leadership and influence and the definition of influence being when you move a person or persons to a desired action and ultimately to a goal. But the essence of influence is pull. And he used the analogy of pulling a rope versus pushing a rope. And then also, I have to say, the part where you talked about gaining commitment as opposed to compliance from our teams. Those are some of the things that are really going to resonate with me for a long time. And I know many of you probably wrote down in your note-taking app as you were listening to that, some of his one-liners and quips. If you've not read the book, The Go-Giver, it's I think about 140, 150 pages or so. It's a really easy read because it is in a fable style. If you've ever read any of Patrick Lencioni's books, most of his books, if not all of them, I think, except for one, are written in that fable format. Same thing with John Gordon. And they're just in really exceptional reads because you really remember the story. We've talked about on the podcast before having a story inventory specifically for how do you tell a story about maybe something that's happened with a customer in your business and how that story resonates with your team and ultimately with your customers. And I think the same thing, The Go-Giver is a book that will stick with you for a long time. And it's one of the books I'm so glad that somebody before I was really reading books introduced me to that one and providing value first and just having that as one of my personal core values and also one of the ones that is across all the companies I'm a part of. 
Hey, before I let you go, I just want to give you a shout out. I just want to say thank you for your loyalty and for listening to the podcast. And the reception we've had over the last year and a half has been pretty incredible. Something that just started out as a kind of on a whim and has really grown to a pretty sizable audience. I'm just so grateful that you would spend a few minutes of your week every week. And we try to find some amazing guests like Mr. Bob Berg to come on and to be able to help you to, to do one of three things, grow your business, grow your leadership and grow and develop your team. That's ultimately what we want to be able to do with this podcast. And we hope that you find this a very value-driven podcast and something that you look forward to every week. We try to find different authors and speakers, some both specifically to the insurance agency industry, but also just in general business and thought leadership and motivation and inspiration, but also down into the weeds with marketing and with uh, specific things that you need to do to be able to grow your insurance agency. So in the end, let me just again, express my gratitude to all of you. If you would, would you leave us a review on Apple iTunes, uh, how this has maybe helped you to grow your business? And also, would you consider sharing it? Maybe a, an episode like this one with Bob or one other one that has really spoken to you. Share it with one of your peers and uh, help them to be able to grow their business. As always, big shout out to our friends over at Direct Clicks. They have really grown as a result for all of you that have reached out to them and uh, spoken to them about how they can help you to be able to have more leads in your book of business. At the end of the day, if you're trying to grow your business, you know you need to have more leads. And as we talked about with Bob, having a referral-based business, every business wants to have a referral-based business, but sometimes to be able to supplement that, you need to be able to go out into the marketplace and find those people that are looking for insurance at the time that they're looking for insurance. You want to be right there with available to them. You want to have a great online presence so that whenever you're there, just in an organic search, you got to make sure your SEO campaigns are optimized so you can get the quality and the volume of your leads up. But also, I want to make sure that the money that you're putting towards marketing, it really matters. And that's getting the results that you need. You want to be able to get low paper clicks. You want transparency, but you also want to have some attention to detail. And all of that is discussed in your monthly review calls with Direct Clicks. So make sure you reach out to them at directclicksinc.com and see how they can help make a difference in your approach to generating new business. And the same thing with Direct Clicks, when they know your business inside and out, so does Club Capital. I mean, it was built for agents by agents, so they really understand your struggles. And there's not going to be another company out there that is going to be able to help take the back office and make it much less of a hassle and make it more of the strategic generator that can power the growth of your agency and take your leadership to the next level. Because if you have those, I'm going to say this every single week, but I think it's important that if you just have data from say QuickBooks, I mean, that's one thing and that's important for you to be able to get that, but then also to be able to have it, those insights and that perspective of that data. So you can use that to make better decisions. And one of the things QuickBooks is not going to give you, it's not going to give you those kind of expense and revenue comparisons so you can see what the top performing peers for your company or in your area, maybe even your state, what are they doing so you can compare and be able to see, hey, where do you stack up? Where do you stack up from not only production numbers, which many of you obviously get and look at, but also what about your financial metrics? Are you investing the amount of marketing dollars that you need to? And so you can be able to put all that in perspective so you can make some better decisions, so you can be more profitable, so you can grow the top line revenue, but also increase the bottom line. 
make sure that you go to club.capital today. Book your complimentary no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Until next episode, lead well.